You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, today we're in week three of a series that we've been in for the past few weeks for this Lent season called The Road to Redemption. What we're doing in this series is we're really preparing our hearts to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. You know, we're coming into the most sacred time of year for Christians all over the world. In just a few weeks, it's going to be Holy Week. And on Good Friday, we're going to be remembering the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And, and then, of course, we all anticipate celebrating the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And I've been saying it every week, but we need a season like this to help us slow down, to help us slow down and and look at our lives and do some inward reflection to pay attention to how we're living our lives, to pay attention to what's going on in, inside of us. And, and so that's what we've been doing over these past few weeks. Now, last week, we talked about a, a term that's synonymous with the season. We talked about repentance. We talked about this powerful Hebrew word, teshuva, which means to return back to the path that God has for us. And we looked at a really powerful prayer of repentance in Psalm 51. Hopefully, that gave you some language to pray this past week. This week, I want to talk to you about a really important topic. I want to talk to you about temptation. I don't have to ask today by a show of hands how many of you face temptation because I know you're a human being like me and we all face temptation. Amen, somebody. But here's what I want to do. I want to help you overcome temptation today. I want us to look at the Word of God and help give you some strength to overcome temptation. So we're going to look at a powerful scripture from a great book of the Bible, and it's the book of James. James was the half-brother of Jesus. He was one of the early apostles, one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, and he wrote this really power-packed book of the Bible called James. And we're going to look at this, this, this scripture on temptation because James is filled with wisdom, and in the scripture we're going to look at today, he gives us some wisdom for how to navigate and overcome temptation. So James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Are you ready? Here's what James writes. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Look at verse 14, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Verse 15, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Now, the imagery that James uses in verse 14 for temptation is the imagery of like a fish taking the bait and being lured away, right? He says each, one of, each person when he's tempted and, and carried away, right, by his own evil desires. This is the picture, the imagery of like a fish taking the bait and being lured away. Here's the point, church. If we take the bait every time something tempting comes along, we're never going to move forward spiritually, we're all going to experience temptation. In fact, to experience temptation is not necessarily sinful. You haven't sinned just because you've, you've experienced temptation. You can't, always, you, know, you can't always help it when a thought pops into your mind or when a tempting situ situation comes into your life. There are times when we don't even invite temptation. Don't worry. If you're not looking for it, it'll find you. There's a difference between temptation and sin. But if we take the bait every time and we give in to sin, we're never going to move forward and grow spiritually. And some of us are stuck in a pattern just struggling with the same old thing. Now, speaking of fishing, I go fly fishing every year out in Montana with a group of pastors. In fact, I go with Pastor Paul, who was here earlier in January, who preached for us. And there's a wonderful ministry out in Montana that gives pastors a weekend away to go fishing. And we have a picture for you. There's a picture of me 
up there, there it is with me. There's a nice little white fish that I caught uh, last summer, and it's just beautiful out there. We go, we go fishing on the famous Bighorn River. Now, if you want to see a picture of a real fish, put this next picture up there. Our children's director, Reagan, went out there last week, and she caught that beautiful brown trout. That is your kid's director. She put me to shame. I mean, that's, that's a real fish. Reagan's from the Midwest. Come on, country girls know how to fish. I'm just saying. <laughs> I've never even caught one like that. But the guides out there are really amazing. You know, they, they know exactly what kind of fly to put on the line. And, you know, you get out there and they say, okay, they've been biting on this fly, so you need to put this on your line. And, and then sometimes we get to a certain spot on the river, and they're like, actually, in this spot, we're going to change the fly because we tend to have good luck when we use this fly in this certain spot on the river. Or maybe we get out there, and after a little while... The fish aren't biting at all, and the guides know, hey, it's time to switch our fly and put a different one on. And I have had times where literally I just switched and put a new fly on, and as soon as I cast, boom, I got a fish in the line. Like, these guys are, they're amazing. Here's the point. A good fisherman understands the kind of bait and, and lures that a fish actually wants to eat and what time the, the fish are biting. Church, here's the idea. If we're going to overcome our, our temptations, then we have to understand what typically lures us away. We've we got to get intentional about this. We've got to use wisdom like James is talking about here. We have to understand what it is that typically lures us and when it is that we're, we're vulnerable. So let's keep going here. Look at verse 13 again. Here's what James says. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. L let's lay some foundation here, okay? First of all, you need to know that God is not the one sending temptation into your life. Sometimes we think about it that way. We talk about it that way without even realizing it. But I want you to know it is never God's will for you to sin. God is not uh, toying with you. He's not playing games with you. He's not trying to set you up for failure. God is not like the Greek gods of Greek mythology. How many of you remember studying Greek mythology in junior high? You know, like Zeus and Hermes and Aphrodite and all these different gods. If you remember, sometimes they even came down to planet Earth and mingled with humanity, right? They caused turmoil. They had affairs, like crazy stuff. They toyed with humanity. People, that is not the picture of the one true living God. God is not playing games with you, and it's never his will for you to sin. Come on, here's the point. It's never God's will for you to sin. It's always God's will for you to win. God is working on your behalf. He wants you to be victorious. He wants you to come out on the other side of temptation victorious. He's working on your behalf. He's given you the gift of his Holy Spirit to help guide you, to help guide your conscience, to be a comforter, to be a counselor, because it's his desire for you to walk in victory and to overcome. And so if God isn't tempting us, right, if God isn't the one bringing temptation into our lives, what's causing us to be tempted? Well, I'm so glad you asked. James gives us the answer in verses 14 through 15. Here's what he says. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Now back up for a moment to verse 14 where James talks about this idea of, of an evil desire. The word translated desire into English here from the Greek, because the New Testament's written in Greek, is the word epithumia, which means passion, eagerness, lust, in the sense of a selfish desire. It's important for me to say to you that desire in and of itself is not wrong. 
Can I set somebody free today and help you today? Desire in and of itself is not wrong, okay? It's the idea here, the picture here is a selfish desire, an evil desire, a desire that's not God-honoring. That's the picture here. And James tells us that the source of our temptation is our own sinful nature. Remember last week we said that it's very natural for us to want to blame something or some, something else outside of ourselves when we experience temptation and we sin. Like we just naturally find ourselves blaming. We want to blame someone or something outside of ourselves. Well, it's their fault. If that person wasn't so aggravating, I wouldn't lose my temper. If she wouldn't dress like that, I wouldn't be tempted to lust. If they wouldn't do this, if they wouldn't do that. And, and when all else fails, the devil made me do it. We always play that card, right? It was the devil who made me do it. But James says it's your own, it's your own sinful nature. James says not so fast. Knock off the excuses, right? See, Christians understand that humanity is in a fallen condition. Back up to the creation story. Creation, the creation story, what we read in Genesis is that God made, made us in his own image. We're the only thing in all of creation that's stamped with the image of God. That means God placed something of himself on the inside of us. But we know that things went terribly wrong and humanity rebelled against God. And there's the curse of sin and this fallen condition of humanity. And so inside of us, we have a great capacity for good. God placed something of himself on the inside of us. Human beings have this amazing capacity to do good and to be compassionate and generous. Yet we also find ourselves in this broken condition. We have a great capacity to sin. Which one are we? We're both. We're both. And the way our sinful nature tends to play out in, in our lives, it's like we have a magnet pulling on us toward, toward sin. How many of you know we don't need any help at all to make sinful and selfish decisions? Those come to us very natural. Come on, let me speak to the parents in the room for just a moment. How many of you parents discovered that you did not have to teach your children how to do wrong? They figured out how to lie all by themselves. All of a sudden, right, they just started coming up with stories. Come on, if you're a parent, you didn't have to teach your kids how to disobey. At some point in time, they discovered this wonderful word in the English language of no. You asked them to do something, and they said no. Like, what you talking about, child? Who you talking about? Who you talking like that to? Right? No. All right? You didn't have to teach them to be disrespectful. They figured that out all by themselves. They figure that out all by themselves. Why? Because human beings have a sinful nature. So here's the pattern that James gives us in verse 15. He talks about this pattern of temptation. He says, evil desire, we might think of it as lust. That's a powerful word, right? It, it conceives and gives birth to sin, right? So it's not, a, it's not a sin to experience temptation, but if we let it grow, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death, literally the curse of sin brought the curse of death as well. This is what we read, right? Very early on in the biblical story that, that we weren't meant for death. God created us for life. It's the curse of sin that brought death. In fact, in a few weeks, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ because we don't just have a sin problem. We human beings have a death problem. Jesus took care of your sin on the cross, but he took care of your death problem at the resurrection. Can I get an amen, somebody? All right? So... Lust and evil desire gives birth to sin. Sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to, to death. And I want you to also think about self-destructive behaviors. Not only the curse of death, but we all know that there are certain sinful habits that they, every time we make that choice, every time we get into that thing, like a little part of us dies, a little part of us spiritually, we experience death. Now, there is also another factor at work in temptation. There is spiritual warfare. 
Yeah, we do have a sinful nature, and we can't blame everything on the devil all the time. But there is a a spiritual battle going on around us. Church, let me help you. You were born on a battlefield. You were born on a battlefield, a, a battlefield that is raging in the heavenlies between good and evil, right? The Apostle Paul said that, that our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Most days it feels like it's against flesh and blood. Most days it feels like, Pastor Jeremy, if it wasn't for all these difficult people in my life, Christianity would be easy. Of course, it's other people. I know. I feel you. I live in the same world that you live in. But here's what Paul actually says. Actually, your, your battles are more of a spiritual nature than you realize, Come on, some of your coworkers are actually possessed. You thought they might be. You were right. I'm confirming your suspicion, okay? <laughs> it's a spiritual battle. There's a battle raging in, in, in good and evil, and our battle is of a spiritual nature, and we have to recognize that, and God is wanting to work on your behalf. That's why he gave you the gift of his Holy Spirit to work on your behalf. Okay, so we have to be aware of those things, right? There's a sinful nature. There's also this, this battle happening uh, and this spiritual battle. So Pastor Jeremy, help us out today. Give, it, give us some hope. All right, back to our fishing analogy for just a moment, okay? This is kind of fun to think about, but what if the fish could help each other? <laughs> That's the problem. The fish don't work together. What if the fish could actually help each other? What if they could talk and communicate and, and help each other, you know, not be lured away? You know, what if they could say, hey, be careful with the, sign, the shiny object? You know, if a shiny object appears in the water all of a sudden, like Bill last week, he bit the shiny object and he disappeared. He got taken away. Don't do what Bill did. Don't bite the shiny object. What if the fish could do that, right? They could help each other. This is what James is trying to help us do. He's saying, church, don't bite the shiny object. <laughs> Quit going after the same old thing that keeps luring you away. He's trying to help us so that we don't stay stuck and we move forward and we grow spiritually. And so what if we reframed our temptations in light of spiritual growth rather than just avoidance? Come on, let me just let me help give you a different lens today, okay? What if we reframed our, our temptations in, in light of, of spiritual growth instead of just avoiding sin, but actually as opportunities to grow spiritually with the help of the Holy Spirit? Here's the idea, and I want you to put this in your notes today. Temptation isn't just an obstacle to my progress. It's an opportunity to learn to overcome. Come on, every time we experience temptation, it's not just an obstacle. Oh, it feels like an obstacle. Some days it is an obstacle, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, it's also an opportunity to learn to overcome. I want to encourage you today that temptation doesn't have to have the final word. Temptation doesn't have to have the final word. And I know sometimes we feel powerless. I know in a, in a room this size, right, we, we just we struggle sometimes. Sometimes we go back to the same old things, same old behaviors, same old patterns of thinking, same old patterns of harboring things in our hearts, and it feels like it's never going to change. I'm never going to have the power to overcome that thing. Like, that is my Achilles heel. That's the thing that takes me out. Come on, that's the lie of the enemy. I want to speak truth over your life today. Temptation does not have to have the final word in your life. does not have to rule you. We can walk in victory by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying we're going to arrive at perfection on, on this side of heaven. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we can begin to walk in victory, and we don't have to just surrender and roll over and play dead when it comes to temptation. Let me give you another analogy, okay? Uh, when I was a kid growing up playing video games, you know, we, we played the kind of games where you had to beat different levels, different boards, right? Like, I'm old school. school. I grew up in the Nintendo generation. 
Like my kids play video games now and I don't really understand what the point is. They're in these like virtual worlds and like, it's like, when is it ever over, right? When does it ever end? Or they build stuff and it's like, that's cool. But like, you know, the kind of games I understand is like you kill some things and you beat the board, you rescue the princess. Like that's how you move on in the game, right? And when you beat the final board, like that's it, done, you won. <laughs> I understand that. So... You know, when I was a kid, there would be a certain board, and we would be stuck right at a certain level, and we would keep playing and playing and playing, right, until we finally beat it, and then we would master it, right? Like, once we got past that level, we could move on to, to the next one, and we got to the point, like, Super Mario Brothers, man, come on, I could beat that game in my sleep. Like, probably still now I could play, and I played so much, right? Just give me the controller. I'll go through it and beat it now. Because we learned how to master those levels in advance. Here's the idea, right? We want to learn to progress in our spiritual growth. We want to get past some of the sins. Hopefully, if you've been walking with Jesus for a few years, you're not struggling with some of the same sins that you were first struggling with when you first came to know Jesus. So we want to progress in victory. So every temptation is an opportunity to move on to the next level. The question is, how do we do it? How do we do that? I want to give you some practical wisdom today. I want to give you three questions that you, you need to ask yourself that will help you overcome. Three questions that will help you overcome. Are you ready? Here's the first one. Number one, what is the bait I tend to fall for? Come on. What is the bait I tend to fall for? Let's get really intentional this morning in church. You need to know when and what you're vulnerable to. How many of you know that there are certain times when you are more vulnerable to temptation than other times? Have you noticed this about, about yourself? Sometimes when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're offended, when you're lonely, when you're bored, there are certain times when we are more susceptible to give in to temptation. And then there are certain things, right? There, we we got to know what it is that, that's unhealthy that we find ourselves turning to. We should really be intentional about what it, what it is that tends to lure us away. Let me give you three basic categories of temptation so we can think through it this way, okay? Three different kinds of sins. Sins of the flesh, first of all. Sins of the flesh. These are what we might call the appetite temptations. These are the temptations that we most commonly think about. Often when we're feeling empty or lonely or we're hurting or we're bored, we tend to self-medicate with things that give us temporary pleasures, these are the things that give us a temporary hit of dopamine that make us feel better about ourselves in the moment. And it could range from anything from overeating to overworking to drinking too much to sexual addictions to fill in the blank. We have all kinds of things that we do that tend to kind of give us a, a temporary rush, a temporary hit to make us feel better. And the problem is, is that these things really aren't satisfying, are they? They're not really satisfying. They're not really healthy. They, they kind of give us a little temporary relief, but, they, but the, the relief doesn't last. And so we end up needing more of that thing. And we kind of get stuck in this compulsive cycle. And it never really leaves us satisfied. And we only end up really feeling like overwhelmed with, with guilt. Come on, these temptations are kind of like fast food. Come on, every now and then we just get a craving for fast food, don't we? Because it tastes so good. It tastes so good going down, but you don't always feel good later on. Sometimes you're like, why did I even eat that? Why did I do that? Right? Like we do this. It, 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 it tastes good going down. It tasted good temporarily, but I know it's really not good for me. I know in the long term it's really not satisfying. Now let me just say this to you for, for a moment. Don't get it, get it twisted, okay? I want you to know that all pleasure and all desire is not necessarily bad. God is the author of, of desire and pleasure. You do know that, right? Because sometimes some of us grew up in a church culture that gave us a false notion that all things that are pleasurable are wrong. 
And then all things that are desirable are wrong. And so we got this sense that like God didn't want us to have any fun at all. To be a Christian is to not have any fun at all. No wonder that didn't work out for you. No, no, God is the author of pleasure. There is nothing pleasurable happening on planet Earth that catches God by surprise. Food and drink and sex and recreation, he is not surprised by any of it. There is nothing that he looks at on planet Earth and he gets embarrassed by it, okay? He created it all. He is a good God. He is a good God. And we need to learn to think about desires kind of like we would think about, I'm going to give you this analogy, like we would think of a river. See, a river is a good thing, isn't it? A river is a good thing. A river, it can be a source of drinking water. A river, a river is a powerful thing. A river can move goods. A river can be a source of recreation. You can boat on a river. A river is a good thing, but how many of you know rivers need levees? We like rivers, but we want rivers to stay where they are. We don't want rivers to overflow their banks, do we? The Hudson River is beautiful, but we all want the Hudson to stay right where the Hudson is. And so we need levees to keep rivers where they are because when rivers overflow, their levees, chaos happens, flooding happens, right? Catastrophe happens. Do you see it now? God is a good God. He's given us desires. He's given us pleasure, but he's given us boundaries to protect us. Like any good, loving parent, right? Come on, parents. You want your kids to experience pleasure. You like to give them ice cream every now and then, but you don't give them ice cream for breakfast, do you? Maybe for dinner every now and then when you're tired and you don't feel like cooking. (laughs) But just like any good parent wants what's best for their children, God wants what's best for us. So that's the sins of the flesh. Then there are the sins of the heart. These are more internal. Okay? These are things like offense and unforgiveness and bitterness and jealousy and envy and pride. And, and some of you struggle more with the internal stuff. Some of you, this is what, 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 you, what you tend to suffer from, the, the internal things that get into your, your, your heart and they stay there. And just like your heart can get clogged up over time if you don't eat a good diet and as you get older and if you don't exercise, right, just like you can get plaque that that clogs your heart up and causes you to have a heart attack. How many of you know you can have a spiritual heart attack if over time you don't get your heart unclogged? Your heart can get clogged up with sin and selfishness and bitterness and brokenness and unconfessed sin to the point that you've got spiritual heart disease. So these are the sins of the heart. And then there are the sins of the mind. Sins of the mind. These are often things that we believe, things that aren't true, Lies in the enemy that we believe that become strongholds, patterns of thinking. How many of you know if you believe a lie over time, it'll actually become, it'll become the climate of your mind. It'll become your mindset. And there are people walking around just locked up in negative mindsets about themselves, about people, about the way the world works. These are the sins of the mind. What do you think racism is? That's a lie that someone bought over time, right? It's an evil thought that plagues someone's mind. And so one of the ways that the enemy attacks us is to whisper lies to us about who we are, what we've done, about our current circumstances. The enemy will come to you and say, you're always going to be a sinner. You're always going to give in to that temptation. You're always going to be a failure. You're just going to be a screw up. Or my circumstances are always going to be this way. Pastor Jeremy, it's always been like this. If you knew my family, it's been like this for generations. It's, you know, we've always struggled with this thing. And the enemy will get you locked up in these lies of believing that that's all there is. Remember in week one, we looked at how the enemy attacked Jesus, right? In the wilderness, when he was out praying and fasting, the, the, the temptation of, of performance and popularity and possession, that I am what I, what I accomplish, and I am what I own, and I am what other people think about me. And so what happens is that we start making decisions based on the wrong things that we've believed. That, those are sins of, of the mind. You know, the very first sin in the Bible was actually based on a lie. 
in Genesis, right? Genesis chapter 3, uh, God had told Adam and Eve not to eat of the forbidden fruit the, from the tree, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did the serpent say? What did the enemy say when he came to Eve? Did, did God really say you couldn't eat from, from that tree, right? Surely you will not die. What did he do? He planted a lie into Eve's heart that led to the very first sin. And so if you want to overcome temptation, you need to get really honest with yourself uh, and, about what your vulnerabilities are, what it is, right? What it is that's taking you down and maybe even noticing when does this tend to happen, okay? Point number two, here's the second question we're going to ask. What's my escape hatch? Not only what's the, the bait, what's the, the lure that tends to lure me away, but number two, what's, what's my plan of escape? Like, where's the emergency exit? When the ship is going down, where do I bail out? Let me show you a scripture. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. He said, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind. Let me just pause and give you a little commentary there. You know what what we tend to feel sometimes when we're struggling with temptation? I'm the only one who feels this way. And if people knew this about me, they would see me differently. Listen, Paul says there is no, there's nothing new under the sun. I I tell people as a pastor that I'm no longer surprised by people's sin. I'm surprised by the people who have the courage to confess their sin. There is nothing new under the sun. The enemy wants you to think what's happening with you is unique. Paul says, there's nothing, there's nothing that can overtake you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. Here's the good news. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. God will give you an escape hatch. God will show you a way out because he's working on your behalf. But here's the problem for many people. In fact, probably for most of us, we don't have a plan of escape when the temptation comes. How many of you know if you don't have a premeditated plan when the temptation comes, it's already too late? Especially once you begin to identify certain patterns, certain things that you find yourself giving into, certain times. If you don't have a plan in place, a premeditated option, a way of escape, uh, an accountability partner, a lifeline, then it's, it's, too, it's too late, okay? Let's say you're struggling with alcohol addiction. If you get into a situation where you're trying to stay sober and you're in a social, social situation where people around you are starting to get hammered, you better have a plan to get out of that situation really fast or you're going to relapse. You need to have a friend you can call or just know I'm going to have somebody, some kind of way to excuse myself and get out of that situation. It's a plan of, a plan of escape. You know, when I think about this, I think about uh, Joseph uh, Joseph, uh, who's one of the great, great men of faith in the Bible, you know, Joseph was the son of the great patriarch, Jacob, who was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And if you remember, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers in Egypt, and God's hand was upon him and blessed him and prospered him. He ends up becoming, um, he ends up working for this official named Potiphar, this Egyptian official, and Potiphar puts him in charge of his whole house. And he's prospering there. There's only one problem. Potiphar's wife kind of had it out for Joseph. She had her eye on Joseph. The scripture says that Joseph was handsome. Come on, Joseph, Joseph was a Hebrew stud. And Potiphar's wife had her eye on him, and she started to try to seduce him and come on to him and get him to come to bed with her. And at one point in time, she literally grabbed his outer garment, and the scripture says that Joseph just took off. He just left his garment in her hands, and he just ran away. Come on, like Forrest Gump. Run, Forrest, run. He just got out of there. 
Sometimes you got to run away. Joseph didn't sit on the bed and say, no, let's talk about this and go through the options. Let's be really reasonable and talk about this as two grown adults. Come on. There's a time to be brave and there's a time to run away. Can I give you another prayer that's really great from Forrest Gump? It's the prayer of Jenny. Lord, please make me a bird so I can fly far, far, far away. I like that prayer. Sometimes I pray that when there's annoying people around me. Lord, please make me a bird so I can fly far, far, far away. Get me out of this situation. There's a time to run. There's a time to, to put safeguards in your life. There's a time to have a lifeline, a friend that you can call, that you can pick up the phone. Come on, we gotta, we got to premeditate ways to, to escape. Sins of the heart, you got to get, get some help. you you got to learn what's going on inside of you emotionally. Maybe get some, some, Christian, some Christian books. We did a great series on a book called Out of, the, Out of the Cave in the Fall. Go back and find that series that we did. That'll help you do some work on your heart. Get a Christian counselor. We can put you in touch with one. you got to learn to recognize what's going on inside of your heart emotionally. Sins of the mind, you got to learn to fill your mind with the truth of God's Word. Come on, which voice are you going to believe? Either the voice of the enemy or the voice of God's Word. But you can't believe the voice of God's Word until you fill your mind with God's Word. You say, well, Pastor Jeremy, I'm new to this Christianity thing. I don't know God's Word. Well, get signed up for a life group and get some people around you who can speak the truth of God's Word into your life. You got to have a plan, church. You got to have a plan if you're going to break out of the same old, old cycles. And so you don't have to stay stuck. You, you can find freedom, but you better have a strategic plan. Here's the third question. We're asking ourselves some questions to break loose and overcome temptation. Number three, what will I run to instead? What's, what's the bait, right? What's my escape hatch? And then what am I going to run to in, instead? What am I going to run to instead? Because we're all running to something, whether it's healthy or unhealthy. And so here's the idea. What you run to is what you will become dependent on. What you run to is what you'll become dependent on, whether it's healthy or unhealthy. And if we're honest, some of us have unhealthy things that we tend to run to, unhealthy coping mechanisms that, that help relieve the pain, that help relieve the stress. The goal is we want some, some God-inspired, we want some God-honoring things in our life that we can run to. And so you got to train yourself to run to things that are healthy, to God's Word, to His presence and worship, to other believers, to replenishing healthy activities like exercise. Let me just give you this analogy. It's basketball season right now, okay? Some of you, we got some March Madness going on in March Madness fans in the house, you're watching basketball. There's an old adage that's been around for years in basketball that the best defense is a good offense, right? Like the simple idea is there's nothing like taking it to the other team. The best, the best defense is a good, good offense. And I think for us as Christians, sometimes we just settle for playing defense. Some of us came up with an old religious mindset that Christianity is just about playing defense. It's about avoiding that thing, avoiding that person, avoiding that situation, not thinking these thoughts, not doing this, not doing that. It's all about playing defense. But here's the reality. Every now and then, you got to play some offense and take it to the enemy. Yeah, there are some situations you got to run away from. Yeah, there are some temptations you have to run away from. There are some people you have to run away, run away from. But here's the question. What are you going to run to? We need some God-honoring things in our lives that we can run to. And so maybe there are some people around you, some unhealthy relationships that are pulling you further away from God. They're not helping you. They're not helping you get closer to God. Don't just run away from those. Run to some other believers in your life. 
where you can find some relationships to encourage you. Maybe there's some self-destructive habits in, in, in your life that you're trying to avoid. That's wonderful. Avoid those things, but don't just run from those things. Find some God-honoring, healthy things for you. You know, some exercise, some yoga. Get out and hike in this beautiful weather we're having. Find a hobby. Find something that's good for your mind, that's good for your soul. Married people, maybe you're, you're finding yourself a little tempted around a little person, somebody in, in your life that, you know, that kind of, you got a little natural attraction for. Maybe they've tried to, to flirt with you. Yeah, you need to run away from that situation, but don't just run from that person. Cling to your spouse, married person. Come on, the scripture says rejoice in the wife of your youth. That means rejoice. You got to run to the source of something healthy. Are you seeing it? It's not just about playing defense. It's about playing offense. It's not just about running from something. It's about running to something. That'll change your paradigm. That'll change your, your paradigm because we, we, we so often settle for fast food desires when God's like, I have so much more for you. I've got a steak dinner, you know, that, that I want to provide for you. Like, I have something so much better for you. And you're missing out because you're, you're settling on something that's second best when I've got. I, I have prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. If you would just sit down and eat at it, I've got something so much better for you. And here's the beautiful thing. When we turn to those God-honoring things, those gifts that he's given us, they're, they're, they're guilt-free. They're guilt-free, and they're satisfying, and, and they're good, and they're nurturing for your soul. And so you don't, have to, you don't have to find yourself the next day wishing you wouldn't have done that and, and walking around in, in guilt and condemnation, but, but you, can, you can feel at ease. Come on, you can, you can have peace, and you can say, it is well with my soul when you lean into the good things that God has given you. And so I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you this morning. And actually, at the end of the service today, our prayer team is going to be available. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray for you to walk in victory. We'd, we'd love to pray for you to walk in wholeness. We would love to just declare God's power and his grace and his goodness over your life. And so we're going to pray and sing a final song. But later on, when the prayer team comes after we dismiss, just stick around for a few minutes. We'd love to pray with you. But let's take a moment this morning. Come on, just lock in with me for a moment here. What's the bait for you? What is it? Maybe it's a certain person that's been causing you to lose your temper, a certain situation. Maybe it's one of those self-destructive habits that you find yourself going back to. Maybe it's a negative mindset that keeps sleep, slipping back into, into your life. Uh, what is that thing you're, you're struggling with? It's time to really get intentional. We need to get intentional. We need to name it, and we need to ask God to give us wisdom to address it, which usually involves getting some other believers in our life and getting open getting open and honest and real. But I have good news for you this morning, church. There's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Come on, there's freedom in Jesus Christ. There's wholeness in Jesus Christ. Confession breaks the power of sin and guilt and shame. And here's the beautiful thing. When God forgives your sin, it's like it didn't even happen. It's like he deletes it. It's not even there. So when the enemy tries to come to you and throw your sin back in your face, when you go back to God, God's like, what sin? I already forgave it. When you confess it, it's erased. But here's the thing. God doesn't want you staying stuck in the same pattern of going from failure to failure. He wants you to walk in victory. He wants you to walk in wholeness. Come on. He wants you, he wants you to be walking in power over temptation. He wants to change you from the inside out. He wants to put new desires on the inside of you so you're not just playing defense, but you're playing offense. Come on. The scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
Now, some of you might say, well, Pastor Jeremy, you don't understand. The desires of my heart have been sinful. There's been some bad stuff in there. Let me just encourage you today, as you walk with him over time, as you begin to delight yourself in the Lord, he'll change the desires of your heart so that the desires of your heart sync up with the desires that he has for you. So come on, would you stand with me this morning? Let's pray into that. Let's pray into that this morning. Let's invite God to do a work in our lives. Would you pray with me this morning? Just bow your head all over this place. Maybe you want to lift your hands today. Come on, Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this moment. God, we thank you that you are a God of love. You're a God of grace. You're a God who wants us to walk in victory. And God, right now, we allow you to search our hearts. God, show us that thing Show us that thing, the bait, the lure that, that's been causing us to, to not walk in everything that you'd have for us. God, we're asking by the power of your Holy Spirit to walk in victory, to identify that thing. God, we confess it. Come on, if you have it, just speak it on your lips. God, we give that person to you. We give that situation to you. We give that pattern of thinking to you. We give that self-destructive behavior to you, that situation that doesn't bring glory to you. God, we release it to you. We confess it today. Father, break the power of sin over your people. And now, God, give us a strategy. God, begin to speak wisdom into our lives. Show us who's that person we've connected, that person in our life group, on our team, that friend we made, that lifeline that, we've had, that we have. God, how can we have a premeditated strategy to put boundaries, to put safeguards, to put lifelines, to walk in wholeness? Father, do it in your people. And now, Lord, help us to run to you. Help us to run to God, honoring things. Begin to give us Holy Spirit-inspired creative ideas of healthy things that we can run to. Be everything that you've called us to be, to be your people, to walk in victory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.